and turn in your Bible to the book of Isaiah. Chapter 26. Stephen, so I don't forget, give that to Tom, please. Tom. Isaiah chapter 26. Reduced. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Did everybody hear that? Praise the Lord. Uh, her employer, they have a 20-year-old son named Aaron. About a year ago, last March, he was diagnosed with this extremely rare form of cancer that's lethal it's deadly they, you know there's not really a cure for it and um, he had an MRI done this past week and his tumor has been reduced by 50 percent that's a blessing amen we'll keep praying Gloria amen amen Isaiah chapter 26 I'd like to read the first seven verses to you this morning the message I want to bring to you today is not a profound message. It's not one of these things that you might be knocked over or bowled over hearing, but I believe in all my heart a couple of things. One, it is absolutely the message that God wants me to bring to us as a people this morning. Two, it is a message I think it is so needed in our churches today amongst Christianity. And so I, my prayer is that we would just listen to the Spirit of the Lord, that God would just have free course. His Word would have free course this morning. Don't fight against the Lord's work. Chris, it's good to see you. Praise the Lord. I'm sure Udwak is okay with you being around. Amen. Don't fight against the Lord. If there's something in your heart, even this morning, that, that you're holding a grudge or you're just angry, angry, you're just mad. So, just, just close your eyes. Just in your spirit, talk to the Lord and just ask Him to forgive you and help you with it. If someone's hurt you, ask God to for, help you to forgive them and press on. You don't want anything in the way of what God can do in your life. It's not worth it. There's no bitterness. There's no issue. There's no pain that is worth holding and and. Thus, holding that pain keeps you from growing in your faith and walk with God. It's just not worth it. My prayer is that God will really do a work in our life this morning. The Bible says in Isaiah 26, In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open you the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Trust you in the Lord forever for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. 
For he bringeth down them that dwell on high. The lofty city, he layeth it low. He layeth it low even to the ground. He bringeth it it even to the dust. The foot shall tread it down, even the feet of the poor and the steps of the needy. The way of the just is uprightness. Thou most upright dost weigh the path of the just. And this morning I'd like to take for our text verse 3. Listen and heed these words. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. You know, I, I remember a long time ago, before Jesus in my life, I used to listen to a song. I think it was something like, uh, what, the world's ne- what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Anybody ever heard that? You're done telling your age right there, folks. Yes, you are. <laughs> what the world needs now is love, sweet love. And you know what? I, I wouldn't disagree. What the world needs now is love, but not the love that song's talking about. What the world needs now is the love of God poured out upon them and received into their hearts. What the world needs now is the love of Christians who would go with beyond themselves and minister to the poor and needy of this world. What the world needs is love. But can I also tell you this morning what the world needs and seeks to no avail? is peace. Peace of soul, peace of spirit, peace of conscience, peace of mind. You know what, not only does the world need that, but I I really am burdened and feel in my heart that there are many, many Christians who need that. People who are truly born again. People who know Christ as Savior, but struggle with peace of mind, peace of heart, peace of conscience, peace of spirit. And this morning, I just want to share a few things with you about the peace that the Lord speaks of here. He doesn't speak of a good peace or a a sometimes peace, but in the verse 3 there, He speaks of what? Perfect peace. I'll have to be honest with you, and I don't tell you this for any kind of, oh, feel bad for the preacher. This past week was probably the hardest week I've ever had in preparation you know, the doctor said, you know, you'll, you, you know you, you'll have some pain and that kind of thing. But he didn't tell me that the pain medication will knock you for a serious loop. I mean, it does. It knocks me out. I take pain medication, Val, and I'm gone. I'm sleeping. I take pain medication. I'm sitting on the couch talking to Lisa. Next thing I do is go. And I look at her like minutes later or maybe an hour later. I don't know. Lisa said an hour later. And so, uh, you know, it it was long. And all that to say this, I won't preach long this morning. But I pray that what is said is powerful and penetrating into our hearts. Every person in this room, we long for peace, don't we? And we need peace. We need peace in our homes. We need peace in our lives. We need peace in our work relationships. We need peace in our 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 family relationships, we need peace, folks. The answer to the peace that God is talking about is all right in that verse. I don't remember if I've prayed or not, so I'm going to pray again. Okay, I'm going to pray. So let's bow our heads and pray, and we'll talk to the Lord. 
Lord Jesus, we come to you, Father, and, and we thank you in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We come, Father, seeking your face and your power and your presence, seeking you to just fix some junk that's broken in our, in our lives, seeking you, Lord, to, to make us into that, uh, continue to make us into that new creation that we are in Christ. Lord, continue to change our life and transform us and renew our mind. Continue, Lord, to making us into the image of our dear Savior. Father, I pray this morning, I, I do believe with all my heart that um, not just in our own church, but in churches around the world, there are Christians who are struggling with peace. So, Lord, I pray somehow, someway, that you would take these few bits of notes and this this message that I, I pray by your Spirit have put together, I pray that you would take it, Lord, and use it in our life. God, help me to preach with an unction and power that is beyond my own self. And help me, Lord, to bring a message that will help and be needful and needed and used in the lives of, of the Christians here this morning. Lord, these are our family members. These are our friends. These are the sheep that you have called me to shepherd. And I pray, God, that whatever it is has been this week that has been in the life of our people, God, put a hedge about their mind, put a protection about them so that, so that they can just be concentrated on these things this morning and that your Spirit will penetrate all the rubbish that might be there in their heart and their mind and get to that point of place in their heart, in my heart, God, where you need to effectually work. Lord, we give these things to you because, and we pray these things in your name because this is something we can't do. This is something that we need divine interference and influence and intervention about. So by, by your grace, Lord, and by your power, God, we ask that you'd help us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Peace. You don't have to go far to find out and realize that not a whole lot of people have it. And you and I know the answer to ultimately having peace. And I'll get to that in a moment. But part of the problem is some philosophy that we have in the world today. The Part of the problem of the lack of peace amongst non-Christian is the philosophy that they hold of life. Part of the problem of Christians and the fact, uh, part of the problem why Christians don't have peace in their life is also related to a philosophy that they hold and have in their life. See, what is true for you is true for you. And what is true for me is true for me. See, what is moral is dictated by situation, not by truth. That's the philosophy of a culture, isn't it? Isn't it? Moral values become a matter of personal opinion, private judgment, rather than something grounded in objective truth. Don't ever say to people, uh, especially outside of Christianity, 
as a whole, don't ever say to folks that there is absolute truth. Because absolute truth will mess up their life and what they want to do. So the philosophy is something called moral relativism. Morals become a matter of opinion and private judgment, not objective truth. Reality is little more than what we as individuals perceive it to be. In other words, there is no absolute right or wrong. That is a, that is a philosophy in our culture today, is it not? permeates our culture you can't get away from that that is taught from the moment that before we even go to school tv programs and music that 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 is heard upon the radio and papers and books and magazines that philosophy is everywhere you go look i go to the barber shop i've learned over the years don't pick up the papers at the barber shop because they're rubbish but but occasionally, you, you, I don't even know what the magazine's called, but th- there's a magazine there. I think it's just, it, it has to be, it's just a paper soap opera, you know. Uh, there's a story on the front cover. My, I, I, I had an affair with my uncle's grandfather's uncle's niece's dog's nephew, y- you know. And there's all this kind of rubbish all in that thing. And basically, you read that paper, and you know what it is? Morality is out the window. Immorality is glorified. Amen? Am I wrong? Moral relativism. There's another philosophy that is prevalent in in our cultures today, and it's this. To be autonomous is to be independent, which means basically that each person is independent in terms of destiny and accountability. Bear with me. Ultimate moral authority is self-generated. In the end, we answer to no one but ourselves. For we truly, for we are truly on our own. Our choices are ours alone to make. It's my body. It's my life. It's my choice. How dare you tell me what to do with my life? Amen? That's autonomous individualism. It's determined by our own personal pleasure, our own personal desires. It is not determined by any higher moral authority. If moral relativism means there is no absolute right and wrong, autonomous individualism, that philosophy can be, philosophy can be summed up in two words. I am. Do you know what people are saying? I'm God. I'm God of my life. Amen? Who is the only I am? The eternal Father. In Greek mythology, there was a fella, myth, named Narcissus. I hope I'm saying that right, but there's a lot of S's in that word, and it just keeps going on and on and on forever. But has anybody ever heard of the the Greek myth about Narcissus? Okay. About about almost ten people, maybe. Amen. Narcissus uh, was a fella 
who saw his reflection in the water. And when he saw his reflection in the water, he became so enamored with himself that he devoted the rest of his life to his own reflection. You see where this is going? See, from this we get the term narcissism. And it's simply a preoccupation with self. This becomes the classic. If you have a three-year-old, you already know the answer. Know what it is? Mine. Me. I. Do you get it? That's narcissism. Preoccupation with self. Do you not see the philosophy philosophy that's pervading our world today? Mine. My desires. That's for me. You, oh, you know what they're saying? The, 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 everybody's blaming the banks for the, the, the financial uh, collapse of the world. And look, I am not a financial guy. And I'm not here to argue yay or nay for that. I'm sure that they had a lot to do with it. But I'm wondering if it's the people uh, who, who, who heard the story. You know what? I know you can't afford the new car, but you deserve it. And we'll give you 0% credit. You just come in and get this loan, and you go get that car that you deserve. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the philosophy of the world. I, me, mine, you deserve it. You have a right to that. You know what? You just need to pleasure yourself in how you live and how you desire things. It's all about you. So what do we have in the philosophy of our world today? You have moral relativism that says there is no right and wrong. You make up your own rules. What's right for you is right for you. What's right for me is right for me. If what's right for me hurts you, well, tough. Amen? You have narcissism, which the fancy word is called narcissistic hedonism. And please, do not think that I understand all these words. I just read the definitions and do the research. But basically, you have narcissism, which simply means this. I deserve it. I, I, it's, it's for me to have. I deserve pleasure. And you know what? The world goes for that pleasure at the cost of everything else. Amen? And then you have what we termed autonomous individualism. It is the great I am. And that, I think, might be one of the most pervasive and destructive philosophies of all. There is no God. You are God. And you, you, you answer to no higher authority. So wonder why we, you know, we wonder why we have, um, uh, what do you call those things? They gathered down in the city this past summer. Thousands and thousands of people. Protests, thank you. The medication is still having a slight effect, so bear with me. You have these, you have these protests that, uh, uh, and I got caught in that protest a bit against the government last summer with Jacob and, and Jeff Lackey, my friend. And they're, and they're yelling and cursing at, at, at Cameron and Downing Street. And, you know, um, you had some, not all, not majority, but some defacing the the, the monuments and things that we had down there, they went and defaced um, 
Nelson's column and all the lions and stuff. What is that? That is, you know what? You have no right to tell me what to do. I'm going to do whatever it is I want. True? So I don't think anyone would argue with any of these definitions that I read this morning. These are the worldviews that permeate our cultures today. In other words, this is how the people that we live next to, this is how our government, this is how our neighbors, this is how maybe even some of us at one time or even now think. You know, when I look at the chaos of our world, and you know what? Our world is in chaos, is it not? Chaos of our governments. Folk, don't look to government for the answer of your needs. They don't know most of the answers themselves. They're in much chaos themselves as, as, as the rest of the world is. Our governments are up and down, overthrown, rise again, overthrown, another one rises up, overthrown once again. Our governments are in chaos. Our homes are in chaos. The divorce rates amongst believers and non-believers are equivalent across the board. Do you know that uh, non-Christians have a 50% divorce rate and Christians have about a 48% divorce rate? You know what that tells me? That tells me it's the same. And that tells me that chaos amongst Christians and non-Christians is pretty bad. There's chaos in our, like I said, in our homes, in our marriages. There's chaos in our children's lives, in their lives. It's funny to me, we spend a lot of time with our kids. We really do. We like them, at least most of the time. You know, it, it, you say, oh, they must like you too. They don't have any choice. They're stuck with us until they're 18, and then they can go on their way if they choose. But, you know, we do spend a lot of time with our kids. I enjoy them. You know, we enjoy being around them. We enjoy seeing them learn and seeing them grow, and, and they're not perfect by any means. You, you've been around them nearly four years. You know that none of us are perfect by any means. But I, it's so sad and heartbreaking to me. I go out in, in, out in the streets and I'm doing my, my thing, ministering and serving the Lord. And, you know, about 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I start seeing kids coming off the tubes and the buses, and they are just foul-mouthed. And they are vulgar. And they are hateful. And they are mean. And I've seen, not every single child, but I'm talking about pretty much the the overall view of things you know and and because i've seen that with my eyes i've seen how mean they can be i've seen them beat up each other i've seen two with judith i think she was on the bus one time and there was two kids i think trying to beat up some elderly lady or something to that effect it, it was okay she's being kind it was getting there but i think judith uh intervened and it didn't go that far but kids being abusive to an elderly woman what is it it's chaos is it not it's chaos it's absolute turmoil and let's not even talk about the entertainment world today it is chaos you know what i, I was doing a search last night on youtube um uh mark for about mark driscoll and Mars Hills Church, and, and just some Christian sites. 
um, a, a music group called Third Day. And, and as I was going through those searches, at about most of those searches, do you know what kept coming up? Videos for Lady Gaga. Now, I don't often say this, but can I tell you what? As a Christian, you don't have any right to listen to Lady Gaga. She profanes the name of Christ. She profanes everything that you and I stand for on the, na- on, on the Word of God. She, she, if Madonna did a, a, did a replica of the crucifixion, and she did, put herself on a cross and, and, and faked the, the crucifixion, if that's bad, Lady Gaga's ten times worse. Heaven help us if we as God's people allow that to come into our life. As Joe said this morning, that's not part of the message. That's for free. That'll be a blessing to you. Do you understand what I'm getting at? There is a direct connection by how people think and how people live. There's a direct connection with the philosophy of the world and the chaos of the world. What is the opposite of peace? Chaos. What is the opposite of peace? Disharmony. What is the opposite of peace? Confusion. And what is rampant in our world today? Chaos. Disharmony and confusion. Our text verse this morning in Isaiah 26 verse 3, it says this. Now you turn in your Bibles. If you have a Bible, if it's your Bible, Joe, is this your water? Oh, thank you. If it was, I was going to ask you if you had any disease because I was going to drink it anyway. Bless you. If you own a Bible, you should bring it to church. Why? Because you ought to mark it up. You ought to let God speak to you and you get something out of the message, man, and you put it in that Bible. And, man, it might be an electronic Bible. I got me an electronic Bible now in my iPad. I'm so excited. It's got a little button called Notes. I hit Note and I can type out the notes. I can highlight different colors. I can underline bold underlines or skinny underlines. I'm just as excited as can be. But here's the point. Mark up your Bible. Make it your own. This thing is tattered and worn out, but she's mine. I know where the verses are. Mean something to me. It's precious to me. That's the way the Word of God should be. Take that verse, Isaiah 26, verse 3. You ought to underline it or highlight it or mark it in some way so that you can, when you read through the Word of God, you can recognize that verse. That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. This is a verse out of the 26th chapter of Isaiah, and it's basically, excuse me, a song of Judah. It's a song of Israel. It is a song of salvation. It is a song of praise. What they're saying, it's not, they're not, Israel's not praying something, oh God, keep me in perfect peace and keep my mind stayed on you because we trust in you. It is a song of praise singing, God, you will keep him in shalom, 
in perfect peace whose mind is rested in trusting and laid upon you because He trusts in you. You will keep Him in that opposite from chaos. Excuse me. You will keep Him in that perfect peace. Everybody look at me for a moment. Is there anybody in this room that would desire that perfect peace? I'll tell you what it is in a minute, but just the words perfect peace is good enough for me. Anybody want perfect peace? You want calmness of spirit? You want tranquility of mind? You want that presence of, of, of heart and, and soul that can withstand the storms around you? That's what Isaiah is talking about here. That's the perfect peace that they're praising God for. This, this psalm, or this, this letter, Isaiah here, this prophecy really, to, just to give you a little bit of a side note, what happened here was this. God brought Israel back into the land. And they're praising God for it. And they're talking about their God who will protect them and build walls of salvation that cannot be conquered. They're praising the Lord for actually bringing them back into the land. But this is also a prophetic song talking about that day in that millennial kingdom, Joe, when the redeemed of Christ from all the ends of the world are gathered together singing that song of salvation <coughs> and praising. You always get a tickle when you don't want one. <clears throat> that the, the remnant sing the song of the redeemed. Can you imagine, beloved? You and I are probably going to be a part of that. In that kingdom when Christ rules with a rod of iron for that thousand years from that throne in Jerusalem. And, and, and we're going to be singing this song that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. And I'm sure in the Hebrew there's a rhythmic there and there's a, there's a sound that we lose in the English. But oh, what a blessing it will be to sing that song that day. Amen? It is a prophecy of that coming kingdom sung by the redeemed. It is the outpouring of a people in regard to their God. You know what they're saying? They're saying this. We've been through the storms and our God has stood. We've been through all that can come against us and it is that salvation that surrounded us that kept us strong and that kept us calm. We are singing by experience of this, of, of this perfect peace that God has brought to us. A little bit of a study real quick and then I'll close with some thoughts and some points. Side note again. Beloved, you should study your Bible. I'm not saying you should take, you know, a, a course in how to study your Bible and study your Bible. You know what? It's very simple. Go and get yourself a good Bible concordance. Better yet, everybody here has access probably to the internet most likely. You can get online to a Bible, I think it's Bible Gateway or, or Gateway Bible or something. And, and they have great 
uh, uh, research engines on there. Look, when you're reading your Bible and there's a word that you're unsure of, go and figure out what the word means. It will bless you. That's studying the Bible. You don't have to go and study all the 57,000 kings of Israel or, you know, all the blood droplets across the altar. All you need to do is when you're reading your devotional material in the morning, your Bible or in the evening, get something that will help you understand things that you don't understand. And by the time before you know it, you will be diving deep into the Word of God. You don't have to purposely go, I'm going to set it, I'm going to study the Word today. Read it and be prepared to study at any moment that the Lord speaks to your heart. That's what I do in my devotions. Half my sermons come from my devotions. I just read the Bible, and as I'm reading, God speaks, and I look it up in my sword searcher or my logos. Study the Word of God. Why? Because you'll find things that will help your Christian walk. That word, perfect peace, is the one single Hebrew word, and it's, it, and it's the word shalom, and it means completeness. If you can, you should write some of this down. It means soundness, welfare, well, happy, friendly, genuine, peace. Is that, does that sound like anything anybody would like here this morning? There's only four of us that are probably awake and the rest are asleep. Let me ask you once again. Complete. That means not missing anything. Whole. Sound. Well. Welfare. Happy. Friendly. Genuine. Is that something anybody want here this morning? That is what that word shalom, perfect peace means. That perfect peace means you're not missing anything. This peace that God gives you is complete and whole and utterly sufficient for all things. That's the peace of God. That is available to God's children. That is available to the believer today. No matter your circumstance. Amen? No matter the circumstance. God said here that this perfect peace, He will keep you with that. Verse 3, it says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. I like the word keep. It's the Hebrew word natsar. It means to watch and to guard, to protect, to maintain. But I think I like this word the best. It means besieged. What does besieged mean? What's it mean, Joe? Do you know what besieged means? Besieged. Say it. Completely and utterly captured and you have no way out. See, you know what God said? God said that that person who keeps his mind stayed upon the Lord, God will keep him with this perfect peace. Beloved, God makes a promise here in this song of praise that He will guard and protect you with the peace of God. Isn't that what He's saying? That is what He is saying. Beloved, if, what, if there's anything we need in our life today is to be protected by God's peace. That means when the fiery dart of confusion comes your way, when we stay our mind upon God, He has promised us that He will guard us with that perfect peace. Amen? That means when your finances fall down, 
you don't have to fall down with them. That means when, you're, when a loved one walks out on you, you don't have to walk out on life. That means when you're, you go to work on a Monday morning and your boss says, I'm sorry, uh, Sam, but, but something's happened and we have to let you go, that that perfect peace will guard you. That means you won't fall apart because you can't see where your next paycheck or whatever is going to come from. This is God's perfect, perfect shalom, perfect completeness, perfect welfare, perfect soundness, perfect happiness, perfect friend. You see what I'm saying? And God says, the man whose mind is stayed upon God, who stayed upon the Lord, he will be protected and guarded by that perfect peace. Amen? Again, look at verse 3. What is it saying? It says God will keep that person. God will guard that person. God will protect him. Not with swords. Not with spears. Not with an army. But with peace. A perfect peace. But it's for those people whose mind is stayed on God. The word mind is the Hebrew word yetzer. It means to form or create or devise. It properly shows or denotes that which is made. Now, just bear with me. Follow, with, follow me for a moment. In other words, yetzer or mind is that which is formed in our thinking. It is our thoughts. It is our imaginations. It is, it is the things that are going up and spinning around in that mind. For some of you, it's a lot going on. I mean, good night. We met Corey this morning, and Joe comes with coffee. And, and, I, and all I hear is, ah! and, I, and I peep around the door, and I look, and, and, and it's Corey over there going, coffee, 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 coffee. I was like, good night. You know, it's hyper. I think that mind's hyper all the time. Then you, then you get to people, then you, you know, get to people like Neneth. I like Neneth. This is Neneth. This is Neneth. I'll eventually get there. This is Neneth all the time. So look at her. She's doing it right now. Except she's like this. Do you know what? Neneth is a blessing. She is a joy and peace. I'm preaching away. She's, she's down there going, just smiling away, nodding her head. Man, there's why. There's stuff going on in that mind. You know, the, the mind is, 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 is the stuff that we're thinking about. So if you, put all that to, if you put all that together, here's what you have. God guards with perfect peace, that person where their thinking is on God. Their thoughts are on God. Their philosophies are on God. Their mind's processes are on God. Amen? Do you see what I'm saying here? Look at the Word of God. God will keep him, that person, with perfect peace whose 
mind, their yetzer, that which is formed in their thinking, their thoughts, and all of that stuff going upstairs up there, when they keep all of that stayed upon the Lord. The word stayed, again, is the Hebrew word samak, S-A-M-A-K. And it simply means to lean, to rest, to be supported by. You put all that together, here's what you have. God will guard you with that perfect peace that only which He can supply. Look at me, beloved. Everybody look at me. Here's why we don't have perfect peace. Don't jump the gun. You say, we got peace because of Jesus. Yeah, I'll get to that in a moment. Here's why we don't have peace. Because our mind, our thoughts, and our thinking is not resting upon God. I'm not talking about some kind of intangible, emotional trust upon God. I'm talking about a real, tangible understanding of God of trusting God, when our thinking and our processes and our philosophy, when our worldview is resting upon God, our worldview should be a biblical worldview. God's people shouldn't have in their philosophy and worldview the philosophy of moral relativism. We should not have the philosophy of autonomous individualism. I, you know, me, myself, and I. We ought not to have the philosophy of narcissism. All of that is of the world, and if I can say and be so profound, it's of the devil. Because it is his, it is Satan's activity of trying to pull people away from the truth. Amen? If he cannot steal your soul because you're redeemed by the blood of Christ, what he's trying to do is steal your mind. Because if he can steal your mind, he can control you. Amen? So what does this, what I want to call Isaiah the psalmist. I don't know why. Maybe it reminds me of a psalm. But what, what Isaiah is saying is, is this. God will protect you with that perfect peace, that shalom, when you keep your thinking and your philosophies resting and leaning and supported on God. And let me even say it further, on the Word of God. Because I know God by experience, but I first met Him by the Word and the Spirit. Okay? And how do I get to know Him 